This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Trish Halpin and I'm Lorraine Candy and some idiot's given us another series of postcards from midlife. I don't know who because we're not professional podcasters at all and we barely know what we're talking about. Anyway, what we're going to do is carry on chatting about all the big and small issues that affect women in this stage of life. Everything from insomnia to mind and body wellness, HRT, your sex drive, your career and your relationships. We're going to bust some myths and we're also going to talk to some experts on your behalf. And as always, the challenges and the joys of parenting teens. Yeah, we were really blown away by the reaction to the first series and all your emails, reviews and social posts, which have shown us that there's just so much more you want to explore, discuss, chat and share about being a woman in your 40s and 50s. And in fact, we had this amazing letter from Nicola in London. Lovely letter. It was a very good one, wasn't it? Who kind of sums everything up, I think, about how I've been feeling about the last last few months as well she says thanks to listening to your podcast since the beginning of series one i self-diagnosed perimenopause and took myself to the doctor who prescribed hrt i've just finished my first month and can honestly say i think you have saved my marriage and my sanity the thought of being in lockdown feeling as desperate as i did in january doesn't bear thinking about i think that's lovely we did actually get a lot of women um contact us saying they were feeling really desperate and um, they didn't know what they were going through and they listened to us and we gave them the facts and they did know what they were going through and they did get themselves to their doctors so thank you very much for that Nicola and um, please do keep sharing your stories with us you can find us via our website our Instagram and our new Facebook group all of which are rather handily called postcards from midlife search up those and you can contact us and you can also follow our personal accounts if you so wish I'm at Trish of the day on Instagram and at Trish Halpin on Twitter and I'm Sunday Times Lorraine at Sunday Times Lorraine as my children often call me, which is really infuriating <laughs> that they should call me it's by a, my Instagram It's a handle. very grand title. Right, shall we get on with the show? Because I am super excited about this week's special guest. Yes, you are. You're very excited, aren't you, Trish? You're like a little escaped meerkat poking a little head up every time we mention her name. Well, I do share your excitement because she is a joy, a joy to have around and very inspirational, I think, for other women. And I'm delighted to say we kick off series two of Postcards from Midlife with the novelist Marion Keyes, who'll be talking about her midlife journey, which is quite extraordinary. Um, and I think it will resonate or bits of it will resonate with everyone. She's had huge career successes, but she's also had terrible, terrible lows, the low of depression and actually feeling suicidal. Um, but now at the age of 56, she's riding high once again with her most recent novel, Grown Up. And new to this series, we're also going to be trying out some beauty, fitness and wellness fads. Not fads, Trish. Not fads. Oh, no, they're not fads. No, no. But we're... actually, they're mostly DIY, aren't they? For obvious reasons. We're trying <laughs> and testing a lot of things so we can be helpful and useful because we are useless podcasters, but we oh. might have other helpful and useful things we can do. 
Um, we're hopefully going to be useful on today's team topic, which is all about laziness, <laughs> or rather <laughs> why they weren't necessarily being as lazy as we thought they were in lockdown. The epidemic of adolescent laziness, yes. And talking of lockdown, Trish and I haven't seen each other in the flesh for months. Personally, months. I'm not a big hugger anyway, so it's... <laughs> I'm missing it's been the dream for me this one meter rule I've wanted to (laughs) if I was prime minister I would have made the one meter rule anyway I don't see any need to be you know what's going to happen the next time I do see you in the flesh though I'm I'm going to hug you and you're going to hideous yes indeed indeed so we've recorded series two of postcards um remotely as it were we've been doing it on zoom with our social distancing issues and Before Marion joins us on Zoom from Dublin, Trish, tell me how the last few months, it's July Mm. now, how have the last few months been for you? Because we've had a very different experience. Yeah, I think we have. I mean, I think everybody's probably had their own unique lockdown experience. And, um, you know, mine has been a mixed bag. You know, like you, I've been working in magazines and journalism for nearly 30 years in glossy magazines, raising a family and basically having very little time to myself. um, Going to the cover shoots oh, trundling yeah. off to fashion, fashion shows shows all of that i mean wearing is... all the latest designer <laughs> numbers it seems like such a different world to me now because i've so i've really enjoyed being at home um and taking each day as it comes but on the other hand i left my job as editor of marie claire last september to begin a kind of freelance consultancy career and let's just say this is probably not a good time to be freelance and my husband neil is also self-employed he's a photographer as you know and so he had to close his business. He runs a studio and he had to close that for a number of months. So I think for the first time in a very long time, we've lacked that kind of sense of security that you spend your 20s, 30s and 40s building towards. But actually, it's not been a bad thing because it's meant that instead of sort of mindlessly coasting along, I'm kind of thinking about my second act and that actually it might be quite different to what I just assumed it would be when I left Marie Claire. Yeah. But um, yeah, so sort of doing some research and thinking about a few different things at the moment. So I'll fill you in on that. I think what I've discovered in lockdown, because I, so I'm at home, I work four days a week, so I have a, a, a day off, but I'm also writing a book. And I've got the four kids, two of whom have lost their whole summer, Um, dog, husband, we're all here, we're doing homeschooling. And actually what I've noticed I've done, I have tried to maintain the busyness, the kind of constant, Mm -hmm. we must be doing this at this time, we must be doing that. And if there's a moment spare, we should be filling that, we should be occupying. And And it's really made me think that that's not actually ideal, that's probably part of the reason we're all so tired mm-hmm. <laughs> a bit rage filled at times as well and that there can be moments where you don't have to have that we've done this thing with the family where at the beginning we had to take them out for an hour every day because that's what you know I'm very much about that oh that's what everyone does we must go out <laughs> for an hour mm-hmm. every day and actually we got you know we've got we've kept that going and that's really nice and mm-hmm. I know my it's, eldest it's is going to leave home yeah yeah and she won't be there so these I've been given this gift of time with her that I wouldn't have had before. She's nearly 18. She's going to go to university in September. And I walked past her room the other day and I thought, one day this later this year she won't be there and that will be a very sad that the whole dynamic of the family mm-hmm. will change for sure but I just that slowing down I think that's been a really mm. important part um, of lockdown I think a lot of people will have 
felt that. And do you, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of one of these people that I have my diary like six weeks ahead. It's like every social thing is booked in, whether it's, you know, friends or family or whatever. Um, and of course, there was, there came to a point where everything got cancelled and then there was nothing. And actually, that's quite nice. Yes. So I tried to promise myself that I might just try and do that and just have weekends where there's nothing and then it can just be spontaneous rather than this constant forward motion of thinking right what's coming next what do I need to book next what weekend is it do you think you'll be slowing down do you you continuing well I yes I think I will I'm not massively keen on social events as you know Trish (laughs) so (laughs) it's actually for me but I'll tell you what I have discovered which I think you have to give yourself permission to say who you are as well is I do not like working from home I, mm-hmm. I like to be surrounded by yeah. my people at work I like to bounce off and I don't think that's a bad thing and right at the beginning I thought oh I'm le- weird and left out here because um no one else after six weeks lots of my friends were saying isn't this lovely we try I was thinking it's not really I'm not this is not lovely at all yeah. for me I'd quite I like to be going people, on the tube the people and, yeah we've managed to keep producing style magazine which I'm really really proud of. I've got such yeah. an amazing well team who just get on with it but it's been it's been an unusual time. Mm. I have discovered a new cocktail. <laughs> Go on then. Did you make it up yourself? No. I, mm. It's a thing that exists. Um, have you had a gin gimlet? Oh, I have. I have in a hotel, yes. in a hotel bar. It's the sort of thing you get in a hotel bar. Have Very one nice. lie down. Have <gasps> one lie down. Oh. Also, um, isn't it just a load of gin? Yes, <laughs> gin with remember. some lime in it. Yeah, well, so that's, that's been it, quite basically. a discovery. The dog's put on an enormous amount of weight. Um, how's Margot? Oh well, she's very hot today, and she's very furry and fluffy. <laughs> So you'll be pleased to know nothing happens when she's that. No, there's no action from Margot. She just has to lie down. <laughs> Do you not mistake move. her for a rug? Yes, you could. She could be trying. I did actually kick her in a Pilates class the other day. No, it wasn't the Pilates. Kicking. I was doing a bar, a little bar class on the end of the bed. Bar you know, class. Zoom. So one. are you? I know. It was great. I love it. Um, and um, and that, unbeknownst to me, she'd sort of wandered in, and I just I just kind of hoofed her <laughs> slightly across the room. Which, um, but anyway. Her own fault. I think we should see where we are at the end of episode 12 to see if we're still being slowing down and being mindful. Well, I'm <laughs> not having anyone that? come within a meter of me until I'm a, until I'm, <laughs> I'm too old I'm to determined. push them away. I'm determined to get to you before the end of the series, so we'll see. <laughs> and now it's time to welcome our special guest, the author Marion Keys. She has sold more than 30 million books since her debut novel, Watermelon, in 1995. Using humour and Irish wit, she writes entertaining, thoughtful stories of women going through painful experiences who emerge with a new understanding of their life and their place in the world. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, lovely Marion Keys. Hello. How are you? I'm I'm fine. I'm warm. It's really warm in Dublin and I am not built for this weather, but otherwise I'm grand. Thank you. <laughs> well, listen, I wanted to let you know that Grown Ups, well, congratulations on the success of it, by the way, that was your recent um, novel. That got me through the early days of lockdown, I have to say. And I listened to the audio book with oh. you reading it and you were amazing. You were so oh. good at doing the voices and the... Ha- how, how do you find that? How do you do that? I loved doing it. It was the first time that I had voiced um, a novel of mine. And I had done a nonfiction book like a thousand years ago. And it took forever and it was immensely tedious. And I was dreading doing this, but, you know, my publishers wanted me to do it. And it turned out to be such 
and enjoyable. It was the most fun time. And I felt very proud of, you know, being able to do the accents and all of that. I really enjoyed it. And like the plan is hopefully to do the rest as I write them. You know, it, it made good listening is kind of how it seemed to me. Um, how long does it take you to write a book, Marion? Oh, I mean, that took me two and a half years. I am slow. I am really slow. <laughs> I mean, there's so much content. There's so much that we could discuss about grown-ups. I, I absolutely loved it. But it deals with a lot of actually really quite serious issues, but obviously with a lot of wit and charm and characterization. I mean, you do disordered relationships with food and body image, self-esteem, confidence, and a lot about the pressures of midlife marriage. Do you want to just give our listeners a quick synopsis and tell us what inspired you to write the book. It's about three brothers and they're kind of glamorous, good looking, you know, attractive family. They have wives, ex-wives, adult stepchildren, younger kids. And um, on the surface, they all get on very well because everybody makes the effort. And obviously underneath things are far more complicated because they always are. Um, but they stay, everything stays fairly functional until one of the wives, Cara, gets um, a bang on the head. She gets concussion and she knows something about, she knows a secret about some of the other people that were there that night, some of the other people in the family. And this happens at the start of the book. The reader doesn't know the details of the secrets, but they know that secrets have come out. And then the book starts six months earlier and you see everything that happens to this, like this, you know, big, messy family. The ages range from 22 to 50. And, you know, I wanted to have that range because I think, you know, human beings, we are always worried and we're always afraid, but I think our worries change as, as we age. And we, for a long time, I really thought I would get to the age where like, I was just, I had evolved out of my fears and that I was just kind of this, this benign, wise, calm figure who never got upset about anything. And I, I'm kind of realizing now that I'm going to get upset about stuff till the day I die. <laughs> Where are you in your midlife journey then? Where are you emotionally and physically? Well, I'm 56. So I. Am, How does that feel being 56? Yeah, it feels weird. I mean, I, I, now and again, I think, God, that's, that's immensely old. Like, how did that happen? Um, and then other ways it feels like because our lifespans have expanded so much, it does really feel maybe, you know, literally midway through my life. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the time my age isn't something that I think about. I'm well into the menopause, utterly devoted to HRT. And other things have started happening. Like I have really bad arthritis in my fingers, which... How know, annoying. I that know, seems so I, unfair. Yeah, Are you doing a lot of all the typing? Yeah, I do. But my mother has it. I mean, it, I inherited it. But I used to always, you know, with the arrogance of youth, I used to think, hmm, right. So she has arthritis. Well, I'm not going to get it. You know, I just I thought that I could arrogance my way out of it. I could just decide, <laughs> no, no, yes. no arthritis for me. But no, you don't get the say in these things. So, yeah. And how do you how do you feel about your image and your look and your body and all of those things that women stop and think about yeah. a bit as they get older? I mean, it's complex. There's a lot that I'm OK <laughs> about um, in that I suppose I feel that the rules don't really apply to me anymore. There are things that do bother me, like the fact that my metabolism has come to like a grinding halt and that like every Percy pig I eat, I put on a stone <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, and I can go like a month living on like salted water and like nothing shifts. I mean, that is really, that's kind of distressing and frustrating. 
other stuff like I I have Botox and I again am devoted to it. Um, I have had fillers on and off, and you know, I have made my peace with that because I think when you're a woman, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And you know, people people are so quick to take ownership of of a woman's appearance and go, you know, Jesus, she's let herself go, or oh ho. Who's been who's been guzzling the Botox? You know, I think whatever you do, you get judged. And I thought, okay, judge me with my smooth forehead. (laughs) It does look really good. Yeah. Is it because you want to look younger? Not so much younger. I mean, the 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 forehead thing was because I looked so cranky the whole time. Like I I have two furrows here and like literally you could plant potatoes in them. They're so deep. And, you know. I always looked like I was disapproving. And I mean, I'm not actually a disapproving person. I felt like it was misidentifying who I am. Yeah. And so my 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 lady who who does my injection says that she makes me look fresh. Fresh is lovely. I want to look fresh. So you were talking about being devoted to HRT. Um, can you tell us what, what was going on for you in terms of symptoms or what was happening that you went to the doctor to get some help? Well, I was 45 and it was the year that I, I can't even describe it really, tumbled into the most awful state of mind. I mean, they called it a major depressive episode. To me, it felt like a nervous breakdown. That isn't a medical term any longer. And I went to my doctor to refer me to a psychiatrist. And she did. But she also said, well, let's check your hormone levels and, and see where they are. And she said it was really, really hard to check if a person had started menopause um, or if they were perimenopausal, because apparently this, the tests are not very reliable. But anyway, it came back and it said that I had, you know, dropped estrogen in a fairly dramatic fashion. So, I mean, she um, put me on HRT then. And it's funny, it was only kind of years later that I began to wonder if you know, I've never found a reason for why I suddenly kind of fell off the cliff. So 10 years ago, just over 10 years ago, people weren't talking about HRT. Everyone thought it would kill us. Um, yeah. It was viewed in a kind of evil way. And, and yeah. no one was really putting the symptoms of perimenopause, which Trish and I only learned about last year, even though yeah. we're grown-ups, um, together with all your symptoms. It just feels there must have been so many women going through that at the time I as well. agree. Utterly and totally. You know, I do wonder if the appalling way I felt had something to do with the the kind of the sudden drop in these hormones that had been like part of my body for like three decades. You know, and I see it now in younger women, like I see that their anxiety levels go through the roof or rage, like rage is suddenly upon us. Oh, the rage. Yeah, because there isn't enough estrogen to dampen down our natural testosterone anymore. And nobody knows about the menopause you know women are not given there's still so little information available you know that women are going through all this weird stuff in their 40s and there's nobody to say listen you're all right really it's just it's just hormones have gone haywire and there are ways to help you if you want that help but I think you're living proof that once you get through and you can go through the worst of times the best of times is 
kind of round the corner. I mean, I have to say, like when I was, when the war years, I call them like the terrible years, I honestly could not have imagined ever feeling happy again or feeling joyous or feeling love again. Like that was another aspect of it. Like I, I felt like I loved nobody and nobody loved me and people just irritated me. Um, <laughs> and and I know. Um, it's, really, it's so annoying, isn't it? When you want to club someone to like death just because they can't get any money out of their purse in a queue. Like, Jesus, you know, like when everyone is like put on this earth to annoy me. Um, <laughs> and like now I feel different. I do feel calm and joyous a lot of the time and, and full of love. And so it is possible to get through awfulness. Um, but like coming back to the HRT, I am in. I am terrified at the thought of coming off it, like terrified. Um, and as one of you said at the start, like in the bad old days, like it was always, oh no, horses urine, you'll get breast cancer. And I, I mean, the thought of going back to the, the state of mind that I was in, I'd rather take my, my chances with the horse urine, although apparently mm-hmm. that's not the one I'm on. Um, <laughs> that kind of thing of not feeling alone is really reassuring in the first place, isn't it? It's almost the first step yes. to going to get some help yes. because a lot of women, Trish and I talk to, think that they're going to be saying something silly to their GPs if they say, I'm a bit, I yes. feel murderous and suicidal. Yeah. And, you know, as soon as somebody says, oh yeah, I had that too. And it's, it's all, it's textbook for your age. You know, the relief of that, you know, that you're not innately broken or defective. Well, it only affects 50% of the population, obviously, so it's not that important. Well, the thing is, I mean, I have often said like that if if men experienced the menopause, I mean, there would be so much information. Also, they would be given the 10 years between 45 and 55 off work. Yes, they'd be like a mat leave for them. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And do you think in Ireland, is it, um, um, how well talked about is menopause? Is it it women having menopause in the media? Not at all. No, 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 no. I mean, I know Ireland has really, really made strides in recent years, especially when it comes to women's rights. But I think, I mean, the menopause is a weird one because it is not an attractive issue. It's not um, sexy, is it? It's really not. No. And it's it's a joke. Like menopausal women are mocked. Yeah. You know, kind of, ha, ha, ha. There she is smashing plates and growing hairs on her chin. Covered in sweat. <laughs> yes. And it's like, we are, we are ridiculous, kind of mockable people. You know, and it really does signify the end of sort of abundant, fertile lushness. And then you've crossed the line into sort of haggard, desiccated old witchery. I mean, even when people hear the word menopause, they kind of go, oh, Jesus, don't say it. Do you know, um, it needs it's, to be said an awful lot. Female yeah. hormone deficiency, we refer to it as. And another way of looking at it, I think, is that it's like adolescence in reverse. Because yes. adolescence yeah. is such an appalling time in terms of, you know, emotions and changes in your body. But there is an awful lot of compassion for teenagers. And there's the total absence for women experiencing something similar, but in reverse. How long do you think it took you to feel kind of yourself again, better after that age of about 46 when you went through that? When did you start Um, thinking, oh, I'm back in the room? In 2014, so that was, I was 49. What did that feel like? Was that more energy, just less suicidal (laughs) thinking? It was like coming up from the bottom of the ocean Mm. and like, you know, when your ears pop on a plane, yeah. Like, yeah, I did have more energy. I had more joy, much, much more joy. 
being in your 50s can be, I mean, we're both in our 50s, can be really liberating, can't it? It can be such a a liberating time. Uh, How do you feel it's been for you compared to, say, your 20s, 30s and 40s? We all have such different milestones in each decade. But for you, what's been great about the 50s and maybe some of those other decades? Okay, my 20s were an absolute car crash because I hated myself all the way through them. I drank alcoholically and I I actually got sober when I was 30. So I feel like my life didn't really begin until I was 30. And then, I mean, my 30s were lovely in so many ways. And that's like I changed jobs and I became a writer and I got married to a lovely man. But I worked like a dog. Um, And I think an awful lot of people will identify with that because I had opportunities and they they had to be taken there and then. There was no such thing as doing it at my pace. Like the pace was always set by other people. Um, So, you know, for a long time, like I, I, I worked, I slept, I went to AA meetings and there wasn't really time or energy or headspace for anything else. Then the ages actually from 40 to 45 were glorious. I had found a kind of a, a more forgiving way to, to treat my working self. Um, and I know this sounds really showy offy. I looked great in my <laughs> you, do, you still do, Marion. <laughs> you still do. But there is a moment in everyone's life, yeah. isn't there, a stage when we look at it and we think, oh, I, why was I worried? Yes. I looked great I then. Know. It was brilliant. Yes. I have a photograph of me when I was 45. It, it was at a a thing, a book awards thing. I had done my own makeup. It was all my own work. Do you know what I mean? There was no kind of glam squad doing me. And now and again, people use it in, you know, articles and stuff. (laughs) Jesus Christ, I looked amazing that night. Um, So that was up to 45 was good. Then 45 to 49 was horrendous. So kind of the the rest of my my 40s were, were kind of grim. Then 50, 50, 50 to now has been... It's been lovely, really, in that, again, I'm still working, which I'm so grateful for. But like I said at the start, I take so much longer to do things now. And and I forgive myself for that. And actually, my pub- publishers have also decided to forgive me and to let me do it at my pace. So I feel that kind of the work-life balance, you know, that kind of mythical thing is kind of okay. And talk to me about children, because you've talked about this before um, yeah. and you've written a bit about it. So you don't have children, lovely Tony. Yeah. How does that, how do you feel about it? And what do you, how do you think it affects your life at this stage? Because one of the things Trisha and I talk about in the podcast is this kind of perfect storm of you're at your murderous, rageist, yeah. and then you have teenagers in the house and it's yeah. just all too, but you, you've had all other, other things to deal with. So to talk to me about the family yeah. aspect of life. It's still something that there's sort of an empty room in me, you know, that will never be filled. Um, it doesn't cause me sorrow or kind of longing the way it used to. But like I had a moment, like maybe a couple of years ago when I was 54 and I suddenly thought, Jesus, I'm 54. So it's really not going to happen. And I, I realized it had taken me until then to kind of fully accept that it wasn't going to. And like, I know my life would have been really different. Um, I know my my relationship with Tony would have been really different. I suppose I feel really grateful in that it didn't didn't split us up and it didn't destroy me. Um, And that it was something that I was able to kind of come to terms with over a long period of time. And also, I suppose, to be grateful for the life that I do have. Um, 
you know, to kind of focus on what I have rather than what I haven't. So I think you're such a great observer of, of men and women. And you're, you write brilliantly about men. And, um, you know, you just, so many things you think, uh, you read, I think, my goodness, that's right. My friend does that, or my sister does that, or my brother does that, or, you know, and you're such a great social observer. And some of the characters, I think, in Grown Ups, we were talking about, you know, people uh, not having children. Nell, for example, in Grown Ups, I mean, I thought she's a really interesting character because she's she's not going to have children. Yeah, I mean, Nell is 30, so she's a millennial. Um, I'm very close to my 20-year-old niece, who informs me she's not a millennial, she's a Gen Z. Emma, my niece, I love her so much. And she's an immensely moral person. And she's so concerned about the planet in a way that it's a matter of life and death. Yeah. And so Emma, Emma, my niece, does not buy new clothes. Um, like Nell. So I gave Nell an awful lot of Emma Keyes's characteristics. And I think there's a huge gap in thinking between, like I'm borderline boomer, which to my shame, you know, you, you two are Gen X. I'm so jealous of you. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, but like there's, there's 36 years between me and Emma, which isn't that huge really. But our view on the safety of human life on this planet are, are so different. So yeah, I, I gave a lot of those characteristics to Nell and Nell decides that she's not having children, even though she adores them and she's great with them because she just doesn't want to, because the, our planet is already way too full. Um, and a child, having a child is another, it's another way of using up even more of our mm. scarce resources. I'm sure we'll be hearing some more of your thoughts in your next book. So that's what you're working on at the moment. Yes, what's next for Marion Keys? What's happening next? I'm trying to write a sequel to another of my books. Um, it's called Rachel's Holiday. Um, it's about a woman who went through rehab. You know, it's 20 years on and uh, she's in perimenopause. Great. So you're going to bring the actual word perimenopause oh, out into yes. the... It was yeah. such a shock for me and Trish because we kept um, having these phone calls going, what's, what's, I think there's something wrong with me. I've gone a bit funny. I, I feel a bit sad and yeah. I can't go outside and I think I'm going to die and I can't remember. And we just, these conversations went on for about two or three years before some, we found out what the perimenopause is. But if you're going to put it in a book, that's going to be brilliant for everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much, Marianne. This is really helpful. Thank you. Thank you. That was just been a joy. Congratulations. And thanks so much. It's so nice to talk to you. Lovely talking to you. Hello, I'm Mariella Frostrup and you can hear my afternoon programme on Times Radio. Join me as I talk to renowned guests about the worlds of culture, lifestyle and entertainment. Listen to my afternoon show for free on DAB Radio, your smart speaker, online at times.radio and via the Times Radio app every Monday to Thursday, 1pm to 4pm on Times Radio. Know your time. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
So the past few months have been very strange times indeed, as well as challenging and certainly difficult on a day-to-day basis. And living with teens has probably been even more of a learning curve than usual without the parameters and structures of normal everyday life. So Lorraine, I'm wondering what that period has been like for you and maybe what surprised you about your kids and teenagers? Well, um, they do get up very late, which I don't have a problem with because their rhythms are different but they don't seem to have any plans. They've had all their big plans taken away, clearly, so they're a bit lost. But I think for me, I tried to think that it's not laziness, it's lack of purpose, because at any age in life, no purpose is quite, it can make you depressed and anxious. But they do stay in bed a long time and they do just get quite slothful. Have you ever followed a teenage girl around the kitchen? (laughs) (laughs) I have watched. I have watched. They don't put the lid on anything or drawer leave it open and you're saying why is that open oh god Mm. what's the point of you well why are you nagging me now you know talking to a lot of my friends they were we've all been quite stunned at how inactive our teens were in that period and obviously with the long summer to follow obviously from for my age kids they were doing their GCSEs um so there's this whole huge gap in their summer happening but I think you know, what I wanted to remember was that actually normally they're not lazy. They are, you know, we've talked about them being messy and dropping towels on the floor and all that sort of thing before, but actual laziness, they're not because they're usually really, really busy with school, with sports, with social activities. So lockdown, I think, was really exceptional. You know, we sort of tried to get them to come on walks and, you know, as we said, yeah, but mum, you know, you just walk somewhere, you might see a stick on the floor in a pigeon. What's the point of that? <laughs> Gracie <laughs> said to me, why would I want to come on a walk with two 50-year-olds? Do you know what? They're absolutely right. I guess why, why would they? I think they're very <sighs> much, they're very much walking, bike rides. It's all about an A to a B. It's a purpose. You're going from and to somewhere. And again, in a sort of lovely moment of awareness, as we said to me, but I think the thing about you and dad, mum, is that you work really hard you're really busy all the time and I get why going out into nature for you is really nice and relaxing but it's boring for us and it's not what we're interested in so yeah I'm seeing it from her point of view I've done Mm. things where I've tricked them on a walk started (laughs) out and I pretended to get lost and uh, (laughs) we 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 walked to a nearby recreation ground um and I went so far around it took us an hour and a half they were absolutely oh furious fuming fuming Um, and then we had a kind of competition on steps on our phones who was going to do the most steps and the thought that a 50 year old over 50 year old woman might do more steps than them that tipped them over the edge they were pretty (laughs) cross about that so (laughs) So uh, I think, you know, they've been doing a lot of lying in bed, but they are busy while they're lying in bed because they're watching stuff, they're shopping online, they're FaceTiming friends. If you ask them to show you some of the stuff they're looking at, you could be pleasantly surprised. And I I have to tell you about this because it's one of my favourite things of the whole summer is that Kit showed us this video. Kit, my son, showed us this video. Bruce Lee playing table tennis with nunchucks. Oh, my God. (laughs) And beating not one, but two (laughs) world-class level tennis players. So I just want everybody to go out and Google that video because it is... (laughs) so brilliant well done you lying in bed all morning and this is what you bring me I did read because I was a little bit worried about the inactivity um which can lead to a sort of mood swing a slump in in mood and you you know you get there get them active then they start feeling better generally and then they you know it's it's a kind of circle isn't it um but there is in Philippa Perry's book 
um, about raising children, there is a little bit about, and I think this is kind of, we're, we're guilty of that. We say lazy because we hark a little bit back to our childhood. So she says that inside all of us, particularly in middle age, the child is still there. Mm-hmm. So when our parents got cross with us for being lazy, it kind of sort of, I mean, my mum was all said to me, what, what, think of something to do, bored children are boring, she used to say. Um, I think we have to learn how to talk to them about it. And I think to start, conf- you know, some any kind of confrontation about yeah. them lying around would be the worst thing yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got some thoughts on structure, though. Yeah, Josh. I think um, because, they, you know, we all need structure and they particularly need structure for their mental health and well-being. If they stay in bed after midday, they are, we already know they're on a slightly different sleep pattern <laughs> to the rest of us. But if they go past midday, it's going to drift even further and they're going to quite literally end up on a, on a different time zone. So it is important to get them to understand that they, why it's important that they need um, a balance of different things in their life. So that can be friends, that can be going online that can be lying in bed for a bit but that can also have to be doing some exercise um, helping out with chores around the house and you might get a bit of resistance but ultimately if they if they're capable of doing things if they do things for themselves um, it really increases their self-confidence and their sort of sense of optimism about life because they might not be feeling too optimistic at the moment if they're worried about university or what's going to happen with their exam grades so if you can try and help them feel optimistic about the future and get them to see that all the things they do in their everyday life are building towards a future I think that's a really positive thing it's got to be their agenda I think you know the older ones like our age what my older ones 16 it's got to be their agenda really but with some nudging to make sure that they're yes. they're okay as you say right so we've we've talked about our experiences of our teens and what's been happening but what what can we actually do about it what can people do i guess to sum up there are kind of three things you could do if you think your teen is being lazy and please don't use that word in front of them so define your feelings not your child so what you would appreciate them doing how you would they can help you um so you're asking not telling them to do it just let it go sometimes don't make don't sweat the small stuff just let it go because they're going through a lot and don't make them feel guilty about it. And just look out for the underlying behavior. There may be something else that's going on that you don't know about. And check your timing on when you talk about that. So now it's time for our new tried and tested section. Lorraine, what have you been having a little go at this week then? Right, well, I'm a bit of a mascara obsessive. I've been in the beauty industry, fashion and beauty industry for 10,000 years. Um, And we are really lucky. We get to test stuff way before it goes um, into the shops. So um, I have a wealth of knowledge. I'm not coming from, not like the general podcast nitwittery of me. This is actually something (laughs) I know about. You actually know about. I actually know about this. So I um, have got a new mascara, which has been out a little while, but it is so good. So I tested five mascaras just to double check that it was as good as it is because I'm a usually big fan of the Benefit Mascara. But this is the new Gucci Mascara. Mm. I can't say it because it's French. <laughs> it's called L'Obscure, L 
apostrophe O B S C U R. Now it's thirty pounds, so it is a good mm. investment buy. But it's absolutely brilliant. It doesn't leave a mark. It doesn't shed all over your face, so you look like a clown. It's really easy to remove, and it really separates. So that is my absolute favourite. There is one which is quite good, which is under five pounds as well. It's called the Essence Bye Bye Panda Eyes. It's three pound fifty, and you can get that in um, various Boots Superdrug, mm. and that's got a water base, so it actually washes off. You don't have to use proper thing to get that off. But this new Gucci one, mm. I've been testing it. I actually wore it swimming as well. I didn't wear it too swimming. Is it I'm a waterproof one? Yes. It oh, was brilliant. fine. It's not on. billed heavily as waterproof, but it, yeah. but it was absolutely fine. Oh. But it's just so easy to... And it's I... to do with the brush and the size of the bristles on the brush. And I think it's quite a heavy one as well. So I think all the work has gone into the brush rather than the actual mm. mascara. Mm. Mm. What have you been testing, Trish? Well, I've been a bit worried about my monkey toes. <laughs> Oh, my God. lockdown toes um sorry to mention that but with no salons opened i decided to try one of these um at home gel manicure kits are you you're a gel manicure fan aren't you massive you fan because like... i've got the attention span of a gnat so once okay. they're done they're done they're completely they're dry and you can leave them you're never going to knock them or scratch them and you, they stay on for two weeks did you know you can do it at home you can do it yourself with something called the red carpet manicure and it is basically you get this kind of kit that it comes with there's quite a lot of le- sort of stages and layers that you have to do as you will know if you if luckily we've all it. got time to do that with yes us. exactly <laughs> but i found it actually between prepping the nails applying the color curing is the term when you you shove your your toes or your is it like grace and perry baking a pot is that what <laughs> it, it is, is a bit, but it only takes about 45 seconds to do the curing so um having said that i found when i did it it didn't it didn't feel like it had set properly don't you heat it so don't you have to heat it onto your foot or not well you no. put it under the the uv light or the led light right. and that's supposed to cure it that's the phrase um so i just shoved them back under for another 45 seconds and actually i am very impressed with the results they're really pretty <laughs> i did take a little picture though and i might pop that on one of our uh, colors well actually Good question. You mentioned a cocktail earlier. Um, it's called Mai Tai, and it is a kind of coral. That's my nickname color. for you. Mai Tai. <laughs> now, Mai Tai. You can be a gimlet, the spirited <laughs> cocktail that she is. Exactly. What colour um, is that corally colour? Well, it's a corally pink because I thought summer's here. Let's go bright and breezy. So, I mean, it's not salon perfect because of my sort <laughs> of. You're blind because I can't. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. My hands aren't very steady. But honestly, <laughs> it's so good, and I'd say better than my normal attempts. So it costs $89.95. You can get it from redcarpetmanicure.co.uk and it's also on sites like Look Fantastic. And if you want to get a different, because it comes with a little polish, probably a neutral colour. So if you want to buy another polish, yeah, you have to buy a gel about, polish. Well, the gel, yeah, but the gel polish comes with it, but you can also buy this brand's polishes for about £12, I think, extra. So and how I, do you take it off? You've got this sort of lint pads with foil on them and you soak those and stick them on your toes for about 15 minutes and then you have to shove it off with a, an orange stick. Yeah. But there's something quite satisfying about that, I would say. <laughs> That's the kind of thing you like, isn't it? Yes. It is. Anyway, They're I'm very happy, very happy with my pretty toes. Good. I can't wait to see them in actual person, but I won't touch them. Now for a little trip down memory lane, um, our lovely little nostalgia noodling moment. Um, what have you been nostalgiaing about this week, Lorraine? Well, it's an extraordinary thing. My nostalgia noodle is an actual real life nostalgia noodle to back in time. So 
couple of weeks ago, I got a letter in the post, which was which started. I'm so sorry, this is out of the blue. It says I'm not sure whether you remember my mum, Evelyn or Eve. She was the daughter of Jack, brother of your grandma, Annie. I don't know what that makes it. So that's my dad's cousin, I think. So that would yeah. be second cousin for Your me. Second I think, cousin, yeah. Um, she said, anyway, my mum passed away a few weeks ago. Um, and the purpose of my letter, though, is to, it's so nice. It really, honestly, it really made me cry when, when it arrived, is to let you know that my mum follows your career progression over the years. She'd cut out articles from the newspaper. She would buy Elle magazine in Tesco's and Cosmo. She was so proud of you and everything you achieved and admired you from afar. I just thought that you would like to know this in all these uncertain times we're going through that someone was thinking of you, even though you oh, did. I mean, I never met her, even though oh, you didn't know lovely. them. It's so oh. lovely. Evelyn, Evelyn Renfrew. She, and oh. she was buried um, in May. So oh, what a lovely nostalgia. That is, that is. It is. It it's is. funny to think, isn't it? Your family spreads out. And oh, you maybe have an effect on them, even though you don't know the effects mm. that you have um on them i'm so glad she took the time to write i just thought that was a lovely thing to do but again maybe during these times people have time and they can do the thoughts yeah thing. and that you want to connect don't you people want to yes. connect which yeah. i think is really nice what have you been nostalgic well about? i inspired by the love knowing that the lovely marianne was coming on um i started thinking about my because she lives in in dublin and my summer holidays in ireland every summer as a child and we of irish descent no oh I'm absolutely not. both yes. my parents are irish we'd get in the car we'd drive up to hollyhead or liverpool and then get the ferry over to dublin and it was just brilliant because we'd have two weeks in the west of ireland with all the cousins and the relations and everything and my only memory of it is being sunny which obviously is not possible <laughs> in the 70s abroad and also uh when i got to teenage years i snogged a very nice irish boy on the boat did you <laughs> it was very is nice. this like normal people oh, oh god actually now you mention it i can't remember what he looked like but maybe i'll just substitute <laughs> him <laughs> on normal people for uh, with a younger version of me obviously not a now version of me it's oh that's a lovely little nostalgia noodle mm. trish Well, that brings us to the end of the first episode of series two of postcards from midlife it's kind of lovely to be back isn't it trish oh so nice so nice so thank you for listening everyone because i know you've probably got way better things to do than listen to us rumbling on but if you did enjoy it please tell your friends and all the midlife women you know and remember to subscribe on your podcast provider and rate and review us too we would be exceptionally grateful and if you'd like to share your midlife experiences join us on our new facebook group or contact us via the website or on social media and if you haven't listened to all the episodes of series one they are still available to download goodbye goodbye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.